0: Catch them all, Joe! Ending <laughs> The Golden Gold! Welcome, I'm Mark Silver, your host for the Backstage Project, where we feature leaders from the sports and entertainment world. These are the people behind the story, the creators and business leaders who made it happen. We are thrilled to have longtime broadcast executive Phil King on this episode. Phil currently runs the Sony Pictures television business in Canada, and he's best known for cutting huge rights deals for TSN, RDS, and CTV. Phil, thanks for joining us. Thanks, Mark. Great to
1: talk to you. It's been
0: a while. Yeah, it's been too long. So, opening question we asked all our guests, just how, how are you?
1: Uh, personally, I, I'm fine. You know, this working from home thing is a little different after 30 years of not working from home. Uh, but I, I can't say I hate it. Uh, the only thing I don't think I don't like is not going anywhere, not seeing anywhere. Uh, I've been asked this many times, and uh, I, the answer I usually give is life's kind of boring right now. Like you know, it'll be better hopefully this summer. But right now, it's been a hell of a boring year. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna disagree with you. With uh, hope, hopefully, with the the warmer weathers and the and this some sunlight, we can begin to at least stretch our legs with uh, and clear our heads a little more than we've been able to with the winter. That'd yeah, be nice. That'd be nice for sure. So by the time. I started working for Stu at TSN back in 2012. The network was already a runaway success in terms of your audience, your subscription revenue, your sponsorship, and your advertising revenue. And thinking about our podcast here, I've already had the chance to talk to Keith Pelley, Rick Chisholm, Paul Graham. And so I've heard the producer's side and perspective of TSN's rise and, and its success. But Phil, you're an accountant by trade if I have it right. So I was hoping, kind of expecting, that you could shed some light on what was going on behind the scenes at, at TSN and maybe the parent company around TSN that led the network to get acquired, by all accounts, several times during the 20-plus years that you were running it.
1: Yeah. Um, you know I've been around long enough. I started in 89 when we were owned by Labatt's, right? And I went through probably four different ownerships in my 26-year career with TSN um you know what was going on behind the scenes was frankly incredible revenue growth and that was really on the backs of the cable industry what that was growing leaps and bounds and and canada has always been one of the most cable countries in the world uh by far we've had the biggest cable penetration i think of the world i'm not sure if it's still true but and that's because of our vast borders and if you go two hours north you can't get the american signals Uh, and all that kind of stuff. So, um, you know, cable was extraordinarily popular and we got a little bit lucky that the CRTC decided that they subsequently changed, that you had to stay in your lane. So what that meant was the only network could air sports was TSN. But we weren't allowed to air uh, sports movies. We couldn't air Rocky, for instance. We can now. Uh, If the Comedy Network wanted to do a Blue Jay game, they're allowed to now. So the whole world's changed. Unlike Americans, that they could do anything they want. They could, you could become a movie network one day and become a sports network the next if you thought it was a good business plan. Canada, we were very restricted, but that turned out to be a very good thing for TSN. One, <laughs> frankly, it kept Sportsnet away for about the first 15 years. So, you know, TSN was effectively a monopoly. However, during that time. Uh, we had to compete against the CBC, the the NBCs and ABCs of the world. That would sometimes just take North American rights and, and and wouldn't sell them. Um, we had to compete against all that. So it was a moment in time where TSN got big enough under the old cable system with subscriber fees and big ratings slash advertising revenue that gave us enough money and confidence we could go and compete with the big guys. And at that point, it was the CTVs. Uh, you know, Global had the Masters and Super Bowl and CBC had the Juniors and the Great Cup and their Briar Finals and all that and the Olympics. And CTV had uh, a Blue Jay game or two a week. If you remember, listeners go way back in you know, the Toronto area, you go to CHCH, they had Leaf games back then. Um, and that's where the sports really were consumed was on the, 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 and TSN had no finals. I remember that very distinctly. We were given the finals for nothing. Uh, we did the Briar all week and we handed off to finals to C B C. We did CFL all year, and then we handed off the playoffs to C B C. And frankly, we got tired of that. Because we were we knew we were better. We knew we were better producers, we were better marketers, we were better we we, we were just better. So we thought uh, and, you know, and I remember specifically having uh, disagreements with the, the press because it was a big kerfuffle because not everybody had cable. So it's an affordability issue. So when you take something like the Great Cup that has four million viewers and you take it from a CBC after, I don't know, 30, 40 years and you move it to TSN, there were a lot of people thought the ratings are going to plummet. This is terrible for the CFL. Uh, TSNs, you know, get back in your lane. You're supposed to be the complementary network to the big networks at Canair Finals, and I just, just I, me and my team, we just dismissed that out of hand, going, "That's nonsense. That's absolute nonsense." We know we can do the great cup and do a great job and get a bigger audience than CBC,
0: I and mean, that's what we did. Most listeners of you know my ilk, or maybe a little younger, like you're speaking a different language to them because we're this is not the reality today, clearly, and and you and I are going to get into today's reality. Uh, as we chat today, specifically around your role over the last, last number of years, more in the entertainment business, but thinking yeah. about um, the, the distribution, the audience, uh, just to kind of contextualize it, like so back you know back in the let's call it the you know the early '90s when when TSN like when you joined and TSN was really beginning to turn a corner, like how much distribution do you remember the network had uh, to Canadian households?
1: Oh, I can remember very distinctly. I remember the day we went from a couple of hundred, maybe a million viewers, million viewers, subscribers, a million. So one million households to five million overnight. That was September 1st, 1989. I remember that date. And that was because if you, again, if you go back to way back in history, TSM was licensed as a pay channel, kind of like Crave, the movie network HBO. Uh, it was really expensive. And there weren't many other um, cable channels to package it. It was us, Much Music, and something called First Choice that morphed into the movie network. And now it's Crave, actually. Uh, and that was our packaging partners. So it was $15.99 a month. We're talking in 1986, guys. So $17, <laughs> with more than Netflix today, just to get the movie network, Much Music, and TSN. That's what it used to cost back then. And then, we, and then what happened was, some, um, his name was Jake Scudamore, who was our VP of marketing uh, back in the late 80s. He came up with this um, extended basic and packaging idea for the cable companies. Instead of giving us, you know, I'll make it up $5 a month and we're on a paid channel, why don't you give us 50 cents a month and put us in $5 million, 5 million homes? And we knew that for two reasons. One, we needed that to get bigger ratings, to generate more ad dollars, But we also needed that to to, um to get the big rights fees because leagues have two missions in mind when they negotiate rights fees one yeah money 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 uh that's number one two and three but clearly number four or maybe number three some commissioners would say is exposure because they're also in the business of selling tickets selling marketing selling t-shirts and hats um all that stuff. And if you're on a tiny little network with no viewership, it's hard to get the other revenue streams to to, to, to grow if you're a, a, a league or a team. So, you know, TSN wasn't going to be given the Grey Cup in 1995. We weren't big enough. We haven't proven ourselves enough. Um, and that changed basically over the 90s. Uh, as we added more and more properties and we got more finals, we added a great cup and a briar finals and you know and you know how it went. And we added more and more and more along the way until, uh, ironically, the very, very last big property that would not swing their finals over to TSN. And I tried for 20 years and I failed. And when I left, Stu, Stu Johnson, the current president, got it done, was a master's. The Masters, uh, they, they, they're they the only organization I've ever ran into, will willingly take less money to get what they deem to be the best distribution. Um, and they did. Every year, every three years, we went in, tried to outbid Canwest uh, West Global, who had the Masters for 20-odd years. Uh, they loved us. They loved our presentation. I guess they liked our money. But sorry, TSN's not big enough yet. So until we could get you know the merger with Bell and CTV and offer CTV and, and, and all that stuff, the masters, um, at least the final the weekend anyway, was out of reach for TSN. But it's 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 nice to see the boys got it done after I left.
0: So Phil, unpacking a little bit of what you were describing about the business, because you're really the first what I would call you know business leader that we've had uh, you know on this podcast, and so. I'm going to save the rights question for for a little later, but we are definitely going to come back to rights. So for now, if you can help our listeners understand just in general terms how how the business works. And what I mean by that is, you know, what business levers are you choosing to pull to deliver financial growth while balancing the cost of production, your advertising rates, kind of your subscription fees, your CanCon Quotas, kind of, et cetera, et cetera? I'm sure there's a there's a long tail of things that you're considering.
1: Yeah, it, it, it's a, it's a tricky, it's a tricky uh, game there because um, if I, if you go back in history and you look at how TV, whether it was sports or a big drama or a movie, was um, purchased, funded, um, created, it was basically advertising revenue. So it was a simple thing. Don't spend more on your product than you think you can generate with ad revenue or you'll go bankrupt. Anybody can understand that. Like sales, you know, it's got to be higher than your costs, or you don't actually have a business. Um, that doesn't work in, in cable and it really doesn't work in sports. I mean, here's the dirty secret. Uh, there's almost nothing on TSN or Sportsnet that makes money cash in cash out. Forget what they tell you. Forget what I probably said 10 years ago. and pray. that was <laughs> completely true. Um, and the reason is they have hundreds of millions of dollars of sub fees. It'd be kind of outrageous if they could buy, I'll uh, make it up, the U.S. Open tennis for a dollar um, and make two dollars worth of advertising. And then they still get uh, you know hundreds of millions of sub fees on top of that. First of all, the leagues are wise to that. So they factor that in. And you can't take that for granted. If you don't have enough um, high-profile products, that people will, especially nowadays, will court cut about a, about a, you know, a New York minute, and um, you know, and then you're dead. Uh, so you've always got to, that, that was the original way how people did it, and it's still part of it. But the difference with a TSN, they have two revenue streams, and they're about equal. So 50% of the revenue comes from Rogers Cable, Bell, Shaw Cable, all the rest of them with subscriber fees that, uh, you know, people get it every month. Uh, and then there's ad dollars. Um, there's two of them. So in those times when in the nineties, when we were growing it, I guess what you're really asking me is, you know, how hard a decision to decide to put, I'll make a number up $50 million towards a CFL when, you know, if you're not going to grow your subscribers and I just said, uh, and cfl is one of them you do not make your money back with advertising that's for sure you don't um because the cost of production and rights and marketing and all that stuff is then that's a risky move and the answer is yeah it is a risky move but you just but but so is everything in business and and, and life if you don't take risks you go you don't move forward you, you go backwards or you don't you just stand still so you, you, you're gonna have to so we looked at you know demographics what we always try to be cognizant of what part of the country was that specific sport, perhaps a little more popular because what we didn't want to be and what we were criticized for, for, you know, almost the 30 years I was there was, it's not TSN, it's the Toronto sports network. It's not the sports. network. Oh, we've mentioned that on this
0: podcast. uh, It lives Um, a little.
1: Which which was unfair given it's the biggest city. And yeah, I'm sorry if we're going to choose to put on a Minnesota North star game or uh you know or a toronto maple leaf game we're going to pick toronto every time and frankly if we're going to choose between the quebec nordiques you know back in a day or the maple leafs you just it's just common sense you're going to put on whatever it is is the most popular it's got nothing to do with you know opinions it's just facts these are expensive rights and you got to pay them back um, so you better do everything in your power to get the highest rating you can and so you know we did that um and for for the most part um you know we gambled right there were probably a few properties i I think you can tell if the property is still on tsn today it probably has done very well the last decade and uh, you know the guys that run it uh, and natalie uh probably believe this is a great thing to keep investing in and keep going because the ratings are there the demos are there um the popularity across canada there um maybe there's a canadian in the sport um, doing particularly well now, that always is a huge help for uh, a sports network in Canada. Um, so, you know, it's they're not easy decisions. There, sometimes you go to sleep going, I just spent $50 million at a company money. I hope it works out. <laughs> but that's the job of the president and, uh, and the vice presidents to, to take those risks.
0: So, Phil, looking back at your time overseeing, you know, both TSN and then later CTV Network as well and some of the specialty networks, you know, you were there for some of the biggest rights deals and the biggest properties you know on the planet and so what's it like when you're negotiating with the IOC FIFA or the NFL um,
1: it's fun I, it's it's what you know the main part of the job that I, I love and I still love is deal making um, I, I, I think that's it's just, I find that fun I don't think a oh lot people don't find that fun but I do Um, because you have to be creative and clever and patient and uh, don't show your cards. You know, it's like, it's a big poker game, really. Um, It can be frustrating at times because every single one of those organizations you mentioned all have completely different styles on how they do it. I'm not going to get into individual personnel and people, but the NHL will negotiate completely different than the IOC. That'll be different than World Cup soccer and fever. That'll be different than say a regional Ottawa senators games and, They're they're all different. They've all got different expectations. Some of them, I guess the most frustrating times that I ever dealt with is when they bring in uh, what I call consultants. Um, So if you're dealing with like a European organization and they don't know Canada as well as they should, why would they? They live in Europe. Um, They'll bring in a consultant, uh, you know, an American, almost always an American consultant. And they'll come in and tell you how, how your business runs, but they have no clue. Uh, and so that, and, you know, talk to my buddy, Keith, he's the same thing. We could have throttled some of these people that we had to deal with because they come in on with a, I hate to say a bit of an American attitude, a little arrogance in there. Um, they do. And they come in and tell you, well, uh, Los Angeles Dodgers did this. So therefore the Winnipeg Jets should, you know, if they're 40% as big as the LA Dodgers, you should be paying 40% of the we go, That makes no sense at all. Um, like get out of my office. That doesn't make any sense at all. Um, but that's the kind of, you know, kind of crazy comparisons or, 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 or things that we would say. Um, and I'd always say for these kind of things, uh, the price is what the buyer is willing to pay. Full stop. What you want is not relevant. What I'm willing to pay is the only relevant. And if it's not enough from what you want, I guess you'll go to the second uh, bidder if there is one. Uh, and, and a lot of times a job of a negotiator is to figure out their next bail- best available alternative. All right. So when you go into something, uh, you know, you have to know, is this an A property I can't lose? Is it a B property I'd, I'd rather not lose? Or is it a C property I'm indifferent? Uh, you don't want to ever negotiate with me on a C property because that's, it's just going to be totally a take it to leave it. It's And you have no leverage at all. And, uh, you know, you should be thankful you get a deal, a B deal. Sometimes it's like, okay, if we can get it for $10, we'll take it. If it goes to 11, we're out. And then we'll take our $10 and go buy property X instead. So plan B is a a little trickier, but you've always, you know, you could probably afford to lose it if you had to, and you could reinvest and do something else. Um, The A properties, and I know you're, you're probably going to take me down the, the NHL path next. But you know, like the NHL and the CFL, those are a little, uh, a little more riskier because they're are crucial to a Canadian sports network. Canadian, really big Canadian content, and there's only a handful of those properties, as we know. CFL, World Juniors, obviously the NHL. Um, you know, there's not many of them, so uh, you, you you don't want to screw up too many of those, or you'll be sitting on the sidelines for a long time. One um, of the best examples I can give, and I get asked this a lot, of what's the difference between what I uh, what I did with sports when I was, you know, president of TSN, looking after TSN all those years and what I do now and what I did subsequently dealing with Hollywood. Well, the difference is if I, let's say I was going to go and, uh, you know, I'm president of CTV and I want to negotiate and get by Ed, NCIS. All right. That was a global show. Uh, and I lose the bidding. And that happened all the time. You can't win every show. Uh, the difference on that kind of program. OK, I don't have NCIS, but I can go buy another show. I can go find another drama. There's lots of dramas. Maybe it's not the one you wanted, but you lose to the CFL. There isn't another Canadian football league. All right, I guess university sports, but there isn't an equivalent.
0: Well, you've been there and you've done that,
1: right? So that's the difference. Is it's the the wins and losses, the, the stakes are significantly higher in sports because a the deals go way longer. You don't do a ten year deal for you know a TV show when you're buying it on CTV. You might do two or three years and renew it if it's still around. Um, But for these hockey deals and football deals and golf deals, they can be five, six, seven, 12 years. Uh, It's a long time to sit on the bench as you wait for it, uh, you know, to get a second crack at it. So that's, that's the, uh, the fundamental difference. And, um, you know, it's a high wire act for sure, but it's, uh, it's, it's, it's immensely enjoyable. And, um, you know, uh, I will say over the 26 years, there isn't too many deals that we lost. There's
0: one famous one, but I don't think you can name a second one necessarily. Yeah. You guys had it. Unbelievable track record. And, um, uh, I got to be around for a bunch of that, which was incredibly exciting. You know, just, just recently, and I'm sure you you're aware, I mean, the, with the NHL's new deal in the U S you know, with ABC and ESPN, you know, I, I couldn't help but remember that that morning when I, I guess it was in, uh, 2013 when I was in the old TSM boardroom with you, I was kind of, you, you wouldn't have noticed, but I was trying to hide actually under the table when, um, when the Rogers partnership with the NHL was announced. Um, and I'm not going to get into, and I don't want to get into any of the nitty gritty details around that, but, but I do want to hear your thoughts on how you feel, you know, that deal has worked out for Rogers. And you know, do you think that TSN bell media dodged a bullet by not getting those rights?
1: Yeah. Um, I think it's the greatest deal I never did. Honestly, uh, I don't regret it at all for me personally, for the company, um, the level of, Cuts and other budget cuts on other programming, personnel, um, dramatic programming, comedic, that kind of stuff would have been severe. It would have been severe if we wanted, for sure. And let let me tell you what what's changed and why I'm saying why I'm so definite on that. Um, eight years ago or seven years ago, when this thing was in the market and, and being negotiated, it was a different era. Netflix wasn't here yet. Uh, we all knew this digital thing was out there, of course, but no one really foresaw the cord cuttings, cranking up, um, young people under 40 will never have cable, probably, uh, all that stuff. So, the only way to pay for that package it was a combination of a couple of things. One, yes, you're going to have to cut your budget elsewhere to pay for it. So, we would have let go um, a handful of properties. I don't know which exact ones, and I want to get into it whether it was a tennis, a golf, a car racing, a CFL, whatever it is. Um, a whole bunch of other things would have left to schedule. That's bad. Uh, but with the cord cutting, the, uh, the the ratings are dropping. Uh, I believe Rogers has flooded the market with with hockey, which has made it a little less special. You know, when I grew up, you watched hockey basically Wednesday nights on CTV, and you watch Saturday night on CBC. Uh, you know, and then when TSN came, you got another one, maybe two games a week. Um, now you're getting one or two every night, which makes them not special, unless it's your team, okay? No one's gonna complain about 82 Leaf games on, but, you know, me personally, I, I'm not watching as much as the other teams because there's so much of it on now, it just becomes a little less special. Um, so I think with the cord cutting and the difficulty to get an increase in your subscriber fees, I uh, I don't wanna say these people don't tell, tell the truth, Rogers, but I actually still to this day do not believe uh, they've made one penny on that deal um, and, and I don't um, you know I've been in the business long enough and I just see the ratings I see the math um, the only difference is I will say this from uh, rogers they had two advantages over TSN uh, one they didn't have a French network okay so we had to do a deal with French and English at the same time to, to protect RDS Um they were lucky, they were, they, they were able to find a French partner that frankly, and I think they've admitted it by now, probably overpaid for the French portion. Well, there was no overpaying for the French portion when a TSN RDS were one company. So Keith found somebody that was able to offset, I don't know what it was, 20, 30% right away uh, and, and get that TSN wouldn't have been able to. So that's a problem. The other issue was Sportsnet did not get the same fee as TSN, i.e. if TSN got a dollar, they got 90 cents back in a day. And TSN might have been in 6 million homes and they were in 5, all right? I'm making numbers up. But Sportsnet was able to um, increase their fee to to basically match TSN pretty well the next time they went out and negotiated with the cable companies. And they were able to pick up incremental subscribers, the handful of sports subscribers that had TSN but didn't have Sportsnet. Maybe they didn't like Blue Jays back in the day, so there was no need to get it. But now they got all this hockey, they needed it. So, you know, I'm not at Rogers. I don't know. Perhaps that increase in subscriber fees was more than offset. Uh, what's happened? I, I, I'm skeptical on that, but I, but I'll give them benefit of doubt. That's how they made the math work. TSM wouldn't have that. We were already in basically every sports household in Canada. We had already gotten the biggest sub fee uh, in Canadian history. No one else was getting it. Uh, we already had a brand second to none. So that, you know, improving the brand wasn't you know that was part of Sportsnet's mantra um and they did that improve their uh, talent base their producers their on-air talent all that they needed to do and they picked their socks up from that for sure uh with the nhl uh tsn didn't need to do that as much we had a very competent crew we had i think the best in the business uh in front of the camera and behind so all all these other benefits that rogers could um could acquire in a big deal like that, that, that really weren't open to TSN in a meaningful way. The other issue and a big one is, you know, they did the deal with CBC. Uh, and, and we probably would have too, uh, we didn't get a chance to, but everybody, CBC, CBC just, everybody assumed CTV would jump on board with us. Uh, they were gonna be on board somewhat, but nowhere near to the extent of what people thought. And, and, and the reason is simple is the, the the finale of big Bang theory is significantly more popular than uh, a calgary minnesota playoff game in the first round so there was zero chance you know i was going to preempt all the dramas and comedies for a month or six weeks to get all those playoff games and saturday night's not the issue saturday night it not go on global ctv it can go anywhere because there's no real fresh uh, i guess american programming coming over the borders on a saturday night uh, of any of meaningful value um but during the playoffs, you've got to blow your schedule Monday to Sunday, every hour. Uh, that's difficult for a network, a network that's not a sports network, you know, unless you're a CBC and you deliberately have all your dramas and comedies end in the middle of April. You commission them to end in the middle of April, then you carry on for two months with playoffs. So that's how CBC fits it.
0: You know what, Phil? There's so many questions that popped into my head as you were giving an awesome answer there. I don't think we have time for all of them, so I'm gonna I'm gonna see if we have time to come back to the after because there's there is a question I did really want to get to with you, which spoke to kind of the wins and losses on on properties over the years, and uh, and some of this might have very well played out, you know, after you after you already moved moved, moved on from uh, from Bell Media, but when we look at the entrance of DAZN, you know, into the Canadian marketplace, you know, first NFL. Then UEFA rights, then EPL rights. Again, to remind the audience, these are basically these are streaming rights and some kind of like center ice, like the equivalent of like a sports package for for the BDUs. But how, how did you how did you look at those those rights deals when they came into the market and thinking about just you know the track record of wins versus what's actually playing out and why TSN or Sportsnet doesn't have any of those properties uh, anymore.
1: Well, again, again, I, I see the analogy with the sports streaming and you know, main network, Netflix and Amazon type streaming too. Um, it's not a fair fight because if you're a streaming company, your financial, whether it's Bay Street or Wall Street or whoever looks at your stock price, um, huge, huge, huge premium. Uh, if you're growing your subscriber base, even if you're losing money as you're doing it, I mean, Netflix is famous. They really haven't made any money. Matter of fact, their CFO just said, we are just about cash flow positive. Well, how many people think giant Netflix doesn't make any money? Well, I'm telling you, they don't. They're, they're, they're not making it just now. And you know, it's obviously a great investment and it'll be great forever, but uh, it's taken them that long. So the, the zones of the world, the Amazons of Netflix, is anyone else that you want to throw in there that could be potentially a disruptor in the sports rights business aren't playing by the same set of rules. So it's it's harder for a TSN or a Sportsnet to go talk to their head office, you know, Val or Rogers and say, hey, guess what? I'd like to buy, uh, you know, World Cup soccer and lose $10 million, but we'll get more subscriptions. Don't worry. They're going to go, yeah, well, subscriptions. That, that's nice, but we're, we're not going to get the accolades or the increase in share value or any of the other benefits you get when you do these big deals, um, because it's just going to decrease our profits. Um, and we're not going to be able to show we're growing this new asset. Uh, so that's, that's problematic, uh, in the industry. I mean, I say when a digital giants want to get into sports in a meaningful way, and we're just seeing Amazon kind of getting into Thursday night football, it's not a done deal, but it sounds like it might be. Um, you know that's going to cause big problems for both TSN and Sportsnet and ESPN. They're they're there too. It's the same. It doesn't matter where you are. It's because it's not a fair fight. You know, if if and same with Amazon. I mean, Apple wants to get into it. Jesus, they could buy the whole NHL tomorrow with the cash in their drawer, if that's what yeah. they wanted to do. Um, so you know, I'm wondering if some of these leagues, you know, you know, sell out to one of these streamers. You know or a big partnership or they buy a couple of teams so they they got the inside track i don't know um you know the, the zones are a little different they, they they you know they don't they're owned by an extremely wealthy man uh so they can afford losses for a while but they're but you know my dealings with extremely wealthy people the reason they're extremely wealthy they're very smart and don't like to waste money on stupid things uh, so you know, uh, a company like Dazon is is going to have to show um, you know some big growth in their in her bottom line over uh, relatively soon, or you know, their owner may get sick of writing the big checks uh,
0: just to lose money. Yeah, listen, there's so many so many questions I'd love to get into with you. I want to try and stick to the script uh, that I had laid out here, and and really give you the chance to talk about you know what what you're doing today, because I'm I honestly I mean. I don't know a lot about your business, and that means our audience hasn't had much coverage in your current business. So looking kind of broadly outside of sports, what's driving the changes that, that we as consumers are seeing uh, in content distribution, including both TV and movies right now?
1: Well, it's it's pretty simple. They built a better mousetrap. It's much better to have Netflix um, on demand, and it's cheaper and more volume than to have ten cable channels. It's better, it's cheaper, it's commercial free. There's new stuff every week. Um, so I, I don't think you have to kind of be a genius. Ooh, what's changed is someone made something way better. It's like when they built the car; the horse and buggy didn't last very long. Shortly thereafter, it's kind of that. It's it's just it's just better. Yeah, so I don't think it, I don't think anybody disagrees. Um, you know, and now you're getting where, you know, and I see it all the time on Netflix. I mean, Netflix is such a powerhouse now, especially in this country. It's arguably Netflix is bigger in this country than any other country per capita. And that's because it came here second. And we didn't have all the other um, SVOD players. Um, SVOD is Netflix and Amazon. It's subscription video on demand. If you don't know, Um, we didn't have all those. Matter of fact, we still don't have all those. Uh, NBC Peacock apparently on the way in a couple of years. HBO Mac could be HBO Max will be a couple of years. Uh, Paramount Plus is here, but is a a soft version compared to what they have in the US. So they're all coming though. I mean, I'm talking to these people all the time in my current role. They're all on the way in the next 12, 24, 36 months. So we're gonna, what's going on in the US, Canadians are gonna see in about between two and three years. So we're gonna be all of a sudden have a deluge of these services. Think of Disney Plus, how it came in and upended the market last, last fall. Well, the same thing is going to happen in general entertainment, and, uh, and I suspect in sports too.
0: So, thinking about Crave, and I know that product developed just over the last few years. Really, I mean, is that is that a competitor to to Netflix in Time? Will Will HBO strip that programming, you know, out of Crave eventually? I mean, really, just yeah. speak to what, what Look, you.
1: Yeah, it's. Um, Look, I was obviously the exec, uh, the, the president of you know Bell Media when we launched Crave, so I, I was there from the beginning and, and, and you know helped work it up and all that stuff. Uh, they're in tough. They're in tough. I mean, I think they've done a pretty fantastic job given the you're competing against global giants. But you know, in, in, uh, you know, I, this happened when I was there. We we basically threw our lot in with HBO and Water Butters. That was a seven year deal. A, about five years ago, five or six years ago, right? And Showtime was there too. I did that deal, and uh, and they've added stars. So they the basic philosophy is we're going to corner the market on what's called premium pay, and premium pay. Think of HBO, the movie network. You know the, the, the premiums, the ones that wins all the awards, no commercials. You know that kind of stuff. Um, And that was working. But the problem is, is since then, HBO has been to launch HBO Max and Disney can't get Disney movies anymore. You can't get Fox movies anymore. Um, Who knows if you'll get Warner Brothers and Universal movies in the future anymore? Or will they launch in Canada and keep them for their own services? My guess is Crave over the long term will be probably in trouble um, because of that uh they 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 can't be expected to produce a whole bunch of canadian content that'll work that's that'd be suicide they wouldn't dare go near there so they're going to live and die on their acquisitions and my, my worry for them is what's going to be out there to buy even if you can afford it when all these deals are up um because what's happening is a whole bunch of product i'll call it hollywood product is being pulled out of the market permanently every disney movie all the Fox TV shows. They're gone and not for sale to anyone probably forever because they're gonna reside on Disney Plus. Well, there used to be six big Hollywood studios. Now there's five because Disney bought Fox. Well, two of them aren't selling anymore. Is NBC going that way with Universal? Is Warner's going that way? Well, there could be a case where I work for Sony now and we're not aligned with that. We're one of the few independent studios but we're also out of the big five we're number four so even big sony doesn't have enough content to fill that pipeline for everybody we'll try but we don't have enough um and if you don't have enough content not only good library content uh, i.e ip that people have heard of and seen and maybe want to watch again maybe want to watch it with their wife maybe want to watch it with their kid you know think of all the old movies you've seen over your years or, or old tv shows um, the same thing will happen, but they won't have access to all the best historical library content because of the phenomena of all these studios launching their own. And then to get new content, which is the lifeblood of SVODs, that's going to be choked off. So um, I don't think they know. And, you know, and money can solve everything. But I think here's what they're, they're, the dilemma is going to be when the HBO deals up. While they overpay HBO so much money that HBO says, OK, I guess we won't launch in Canada because we're getting this big fat check. But that big fat check is probably so high that they can't make money on it. So you're damned if you buy it because you'll have to overpay it to convince Warners not to launch HBO Max or you won't be able to pay enough and you won't get it. So, you know, um, but that phenomenon is not just crave. That's going to be all uh, a lot of Canadian media is going to face that same problem. It doesn't matter if you're a cable channel and SVOD and AVOD. Uh, ironically, the one Service that I thought would be probably over before you know I exited the industry, and I said this a decade ago, and I'm I'm 100% wrong on this, was the CTV and 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 Global those kind of channels. I thought they were the first to go because they were dying the quickest, right? The cable channels were healthy uh, even five six years ago. Uh, the Esports were growing. We I mean, thought, all right, well, old CTV maybe will be gone in 10 years. That hasn't happened once. And that's because um, some people are still uh, have gone back to rabbit ears. And if you don't know what rabbit ears are they're basically antennas that get you free television. And in, in Toronto, you can probably get, you know, 10, 12 channels for free, ABC, CBS, CTV, global all for free, and just laid it on top of your Netflix or Amazon subscription. And you have not quite what you had with cable, but you have close to it for about a third of the price.
0: Yeah, and you got the Super Bowl, you got the Stanley Cup playoffs, you got the Olympics, you got you got all kinds of content there. It uh, listen, I I could go I could <laughs> I could ask you so many questions, but it's not fair to the audience, and uh, and I want I want to contain this to something that is is generally is generally for the masses. So Phil, on on the podcast, we ask all of our guests just some some standard questions, uh, just about their past and their thoughts on a couple a couple kind of simple simple topics. So. I mean, I'll ask you if you could pick one moment man, in your in your career that's most memorable. Uh, which which would it be?
1: I don't know, man. It's hard to beat that hockey game in Vancouver 11 years ago. It's, it's
0: that's okay. You guys overpaid those rights. It's hard
1: to beat that, man. From a
0: sporting moment, from a
1: Canadian point of view, that I don't know how that doesn't become number one. But there's a whole bunch of number twos. I was super lucky enough and just a fluke. I happened to be in Augusta when Mike Weir won. That was pretty cool to see a Canadian win the Masters. uh, I'm not sure I'll see that the rest of my life, uh, hopefully. But um, I thought that was uh, super cool. Uh, In terms of just from a professional uh, pride point of view, I think TSN's first grade cup, I I think that was just, we did it. You know, we did it. And the critics liked it and the ratings were huge. Um, That was wonderful. But I think if I look back on, you know, a team effort, uh, and a long term over a decade, I go to the World Juniors. And the World Juniors, when I started, was this relatively small tournament. We we didn't do any games outside of Team Canada, sometimes on tape delay because they were expensive coming from Sweden in the middle of the night or something. I guess, um, And to build that, and I remember the first time we got, I don't know what it was, two, three million viewers for the final. I think it's been top since then. And just looking at that number going, Oh my Jesus, that's as big as the Oscars. It's, it's, you know, TSN cable networks had never seen ratings that big, millions of people. Um, so, you know, I thought, you know, in terms of this pride and that, that was, that started before my, it started with Keith, we started with Rick Brace and then over to Keith and then over to me and Stu and Chiz and all those guys kept it going as well. Uh, That has just been a, a, a source of pride, I think, for the network for so long. Um, and it's just been a, a fabulous relationship, you know, and I'd be remiss if I didn't say, see, you know, uh, although I wasn't part of it, um, was the Raptors winning. Uh, obviously, that was kind of cool. Um, and, I, and, I, and I was actually and I was actually in the stands when Joe Carter hit the home run for the Blue Jays back in the early 90s. Uh, just a funny story. It landed, uh, his home run, uh, landed just a few people away from me, and I, I had two beers in my hands. <laughs> and I was the ninth inning, you know, just hurry up, drink your beer, and the game's going to end any second. And I remember throwing my beers in the air to try to catch the ball. I don't know why I did that. I the people <laughs> behind me didn't weren't as impressed uh, <laughs> as probably they uh, I thought they would have been. I didn't throw it at anybody. I just kind of you know, threw the beers down. Um, of course, the ball ended up six people away from me, so I didn't wasn't able to get the million dollar catch, but uh, close.
0: If I can go back, like I guess, kind of way back to you know when you I guess you finished your. Your your accounting degree, and then you started at TSN, and then all the way fast forwarding to now. If you can remember back to that 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 young, you know, open open minded, wide eyed Phil, um, is there anything that stands out like for you today that if you had to look all the way back, you're like, I can't believe I used to I used to think that way or, or act that way. I'm talking about in, in professional circles, by the way. Um, boy,
1: that's a great question. Um, I can't think of any top of my mind. I mean, I, I'd, I'd like to think I've been a fairly consistent executive. I mean, uh, you know, you, you, you do the old adage of treat people how you want to be treated. And I think if you do that in life, things will turn out fine for everybody. Um, no, I, I, I guess when you look through the, 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 the lens of history, you know, the, and, and you see a lot of the, uh, the social unrest that's happened in the last 12 months, and I think Tia said, and, and, and we did try really hard to get, you know, a lot of females on air and, and people of color and, and different ethnic backgrounds, um, but we should have done more. We should have, uh, we should have done more. And, and, and I'm not displeased with what we did or not ashamed of what we did. That's nowhere near that. But we probably, we, we should have been leaders. We should have been way so far out ahead of, the, uh, of society in that. And, and that's because sports is the most multicultural thing there is. Every country does it. They all follow numerous sports. Um, you know, um, when people watch sports, um, I'd like to think that you know that awful racism isn't in their head. People cheer for um, you know athletes of color as much as they cheer for you know the white athletes or anything else like that. So, you know, um, I just wish whether it was TSN, you know, myself or all of society would have maybe been a bit a bit more of a proponent of change. I guess.
0: Yeah, I think we all think the same. And so it's uh, hopefully, hopefully what's going on now and the movement to change is, uh, is just going to pick up steam. We heard a little bit about you know, Roger Sports and Media and some of their new mandates that they put in to, to make that just part of the way they hire. And, uh, and we're, we're just looking forward to seeing change continue. So I'll kind of ask you one final question. So the um, I'm, I'm sure that over your career, you've made many people's career. I, I can probably list a handful right now, but I won't. So look, thinking about the current generation of, you know, 20 somethings or that, that are looking to be, I'll say, you know, in the sports and media business, but really I'm going to focus on the business side, which is where where you've really operated over all these years. What kind of advice do you have to, let's call them, you know, BBAs, MBAs, CPAs, lawyers, young young people who who, who want to be in this business? Well.
1: The first thing is
0: um, there are going to be
1: way 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 more people want any individual job or career that you would want personally and that's because it's a super exciting fun sexy industry so the main thing is and i have talked to many 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 people over the years about the same kind of question and my advice is i, mean, I get 17 year old kids and they're just you know going into grade 12 next year and starting to think university all that is do not shut any doors Leave as many open as you can. You might love hockey, uh, but the odds of you working in hockey for the NHL are already slim. So why do not you care if you work? Maybe you have to start working for university hockey or you have to work for junior hockey or you have to work for the AHL and work your way up. You have to pay your dues. So um, it's the same on young producers or on-air talent used to always call me and ask me and said, go work for Rogers Cable for free. Go and learn your craft for nothing. That's right. You're going to volunteer and you're going to learn it because that's how, if you talk to the uh, the Gord Millers and the Paul Romanucks and the Michael Landsbergs, they all came from that. Back in the 80s, that's where they all went and they went to Rogers, you know, Channel 10 cable and called the University of Toronto hockey game and they learned their craft that way. Same with producers and directors and all that. Um, I'm not sure that happens much anymore, but that used to. The difference is now you can do your own you can get your iPhone and your kids in the back and you can shoot your own demo uh, of your own. You know, you don't have to get expensive equipment. So that's good. Um, so keep here, keep it very wide open. Um, I encourage people to be very, very well read. I cannot tell you the amount of people I've interviewed over time, whether it's in sports or even for my current role at Sony and you get into a job interview and they haven't done their homework. They haven't done their homework on the company. They haven't done their homework on me personally. They haven't done the homework on what's worked and what doesn't work. Those people, you know, they get a 50-minute interview and they're never called back. So study like you've never studied before. Know their industry, know their company, know their competition, know their past, know where they're going. And if you know that, you're going to show the person that's perhaps hiring that you have you're willing to put the effort in. You're willing to um, work. I mean, I can't, again, I I can't tell you how many people couldn't be bothered. I I hired a vice president of Sony about five years ago. And, uh, you know, I probably had the only vice president on the Hollywood side media in Canada open at the time. So there were dozens of people that wanted it, dozens. And I, you know, I probably interviewed, I don't know, six or eight. And and, and the first question I would have is yeah, please tell me what your favorite Sony movie is and what your favorite Sony TV show is. And six out of eight went, I can't name one. I went, get out of here. You couldn't Google last night the Sony movie. Spider-Man, never heard of it? No. Nope. Seinfeld, never heard of it? No, nope. no, nope. not ringing a bell. That's what I'm talking about. So, and I used to have people come in for TSN and tell me, oh, I watch sports all the time. i would be great. I go, you watch sports all the time? Boy, you're unique there's millions of you (laughs) yeah or or get you know women coming in that wanted to break into industry they go but i watch hockey games with my dad and my 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 boyfriend all the time i go good for you that doesn't mean anything that means nothing and i don't ask i would say yeah but how much curling have you watched none well how are you going to do sports center uh who's your favorite basketball player well i just like hockey you understand you're applying to the sports network not the hockey network and people will give me this answer Oh, don't worry. After you
0: hire me, I'll bone up on that stuff. I went too late. I'm so glad you shared all that with us, Phil. I mean, I can, I, I remember distinctly, uh, you know, my kind of, we'll call it wooing of, of Stu to me to, to, to bring me into work with you guys. And there was only really one question he asked me that made me sweat a little. And that was, Mark, are you a sports fan? And, <laughs> and I don't know what he knew about me or not. And yes, of course, I, I answered the question as I am, as I am a huge sports fan. And, and what has changed for me, you know, since that meeting is, I used to not be a fan of the business of sports, but now I eat and sleep the business of sports. It's 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 what drives me today. And and Phil, I hope I'm not looking for a job, but but I hope I did enough research for you to to check the box to say I was prepared for our chat today.
1: You did, you did. No dumb questions, Mark. So you must have
0: done some research. Well, because I I'm, we're not going to get into it now, but but I've received a Phil Rocket, which is infamous uh, in the in the halls of uh, oh. TSN and Netstar.
1: The rocket was it? like, it, what, what's that? An email saying, don't do it. <laughs> again?
0: The email, the email, which is very short and to the point and should not be responded to.
1: Yeah. Well, there's, there's uh, well, before we end, I'll only cause I'd forgotten. I did this. And uh, if you haven't read his book, I highly recommend you Jay on rights book. He's written too. They're both very funny. Um, so I was selling, I didn't read it for years. So eventually I, I picked it up and read it. And there's, there's, there's one in there exactly about me. I guess he'd come on during November and grown the mustache, a really bad one. <laughs> Um, that's fine you know we do that and and, then but it looked horrible (laughs) so I think on like December 1 I sent him a note uh, that'll be gone by the morning correct Uh, (laughs) and he was I think he wanted to keep it I went "Uh, no Uh, (laughs) you know that that is actually one of the hardest discussions when you have to tell an adult uh, cut your hair uh, shave your mustache, don't dye your hair, you know, to tell people, you know, how to, how to look different. Um, I won't mention her name, but there's a famous female who, uh, the TSN broadcaster, who we did, uh, again, this was a decade ago, we did this big, giant campaign to promote her, and she was in this, spot, you know, on a certain show, um, and billboards all over Canada, and promos, and then she comes in one day and cut her hair off and dyed it a different color. So she had to look like the same person. So we went, oh my God, uh, why would you do that? But that that's the kind of silliness you have to deal with, right? You, you think you're promoting someone with, you know, long black hair and but they're on air, they have short blonde hair, so they don't look the same. But it, it's that kind of, you know, silliness, I guess, that goes on sometimes.
0: Well, now I don't feel so bad. I, 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 al- I always thought that your emails were constructive feedback anyway.
1: Yeah. Hey, look, I... I hope people never um, took my notes or, you know, constructive criticism. I, I, I certainly didn't ever, I don't think I ever did say anything out to be mean or nasty or make people feel bad. It was designed to make people think, uh, make people question what they were doing um, and uh, and or come and explain to me what the hell you're to because I didn't
0: understand. So we're going on a bit, which is great. But there, I mean, I, I guess and, and I don't know Yvonne Fitzon at all, if to say. I've seen him walk in the hallways when when I was working on the Olympics, but you probably know him quite well. And, and, and I've heard that, you know, he's he's cut from a slightly different cloth, but all, also to the point. I mean, someone has got to protect the brand and protect the network. And I think that's kind of what you're talking about here.
1: I am, um, but I am guilty of, and uh, more than one person is totally uh, being brutally honest and blunt. And yeah, that's guilty as charged. I, I just I'm just wasn't executive that was interested in uh, tiptoeing around the tulips, so to speak. You know, uh, people knew where they stood with me. You know, they knew if I was happy or, or mad or, uh, or disappointed or whatever, because um, I don't think it's fair to... Um, to complain and bitch and moan about people without going right to them and saying, Hey, look, this wasn't cool. Don't do this again. And try this instead. And again, forget sports again in life, that you have to do that. You have to give people a a chance to to fix their mistake, learn from their mistake, um, uh, tinker with it a little bit. So if you just stand back and say nothing, then that's
0: what you're going to get. Yeah. It's a, it was a, it was a different time. I think that uh, when, when, when we initially met and, and today, and I, I think it's a little easier to be, somewhat on the outside of what's happening specifically in the sports industry. I mean, COVID has, has highlighted that more than anything else. It, it's tough out there. Right. Phil, thanks so much for the time and and for for being to the point and informative. I think the audience is, is really going to love what what you have to say. I think that your voice has been, has been missing for a few years now uh, to be able to point us in a direction. Um, and I'm just so happy that you agreed to, uh, to come on.
1: Yeah, good to talk to you, Mark, and uh, maybe we'll do it again one day. We can talk Spider-Man
0: or something. No, I want to. I want to. Thanks so much. All right. See you guys. Have a great
1: time. The Backstage Project Podcast is brought to you by Ready, Set, Go. They help organizations create extraordinary digital products. To learn more, go to readysetgo.design. If you would like to get in touch with Mark and the team at the Backstage Project Podcast, please email us at info at